Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Someone call my name. Whoa. Theodore Roosevelt, at your service. Teddy, can you get us out of here? Can't do it, man. This is your moment. Will you save the lectures, please? I'm not you, okay? I didn't build the Panama Canal. I wasn't president of the United States. I need some help. Come on. Actually, uh, I never did any of those things. Teddy Roosevelt did. I was made in a mannequin factory in Poughkeepsie. I never shot a wild beast. I'm not even brave enough to tell that beautiful woman I love her. But you, you gotta finish the job this time. You can't quit. You made of wax, Larry. What are you made of? I'm made of wax, Larry. What are you made out of? These are the words of Teddy Roosevelt, played by Robin Williams in the movie Night at the Museum. He was addressing the character Larry, played by Ben Stiller, and challenging him to rise up to his leadership potential. In the movie, Larry saw Teddy Roosevelt as this larger-than-life type of character. He was a leader. He was a go-getter. Not only was he one of the presidents of the United States, but he had the experience and the battle scars to go with it. Larry, on the other hand, he just viewed himself as a night guard at the Museum of Natural History. There was nothing special about him. There's no way that he could measure up to Teddy. What comes to your mind when you think about a leader? What images pop into your head? Who are the people that you think about when you hear the word leader? Maybe you think about some of the people in your life which were most influential. Maybe you think about a teacher or a coach who helped draw out the best in you. Or perhaps when you think about the word leader, You think about those people who write meaningful books and memoirs, the ones who get interviewed on talk shows and on the news, or the ones that are asked to share their thoughts on different social media platforms or different podcasts. Maybe when you think about the word leader, you think of those influencers that you follow on Instagram or YouTube, the ones that have millions of followers and likes, they have a larger-than-life personality, or their bodies are simply flawless, or they're simply so brilliant Every word that comes out of their mouth is a tweetable statement. What comes to mind when you hear the word leader? Today we're kicking off a brand new series and it's called Lead Like Jesus. I'll be up front with you guys and I'm going to tell you exactly what I think of when I hear the word leader. I believe that every single one of you is a leader. Not only do I see you that way, but I need you to see yourself that way. And I think there's a biblical precedent to live that way. And that's what this series is all about. I want to try and convince you all of the leadership responsibility God has given you to steward. And I want to look at the best, most productive, most fruitful leader known to mankind, Jesus, and attempt to pull leadership lessons from his life, along with principles from the scripture to help us lead like Jesus. So over the next four weeks, uh, we're going to look at four areas. Today, we're going to talk about the heart of a leader. Next week, we're going to examine the head of a leader. For week three, we're going to look at the hands of a leader, and then we'll wrap up week four with the habits of a leader. So 
What's in the heart of a leader? What occupies the space of their heart? Uh, specifically, when we talk about the heart of a leader, I want to talk about the heart of Jesus because they, there may be many amazing leaders out there, but no one can compare to the amount of influence that Jesus had. And while there are perhaps many amazing leaders that we look up to, that we follow, even the best leaders oftentimes have ulterior motives. Or sometimes there are character defects and flaws. Or sometimes what they preach isn't necessarily what they practice. But when we look at the life and leadership of Jesus, we see someone who was sincere, assertive, humble, and his motives were pure. He spoke with authority, but he was never domineering. He was definitive in his actions, but never overbearing in his approach. So here's the thing, and here's my bias. I view you all as leaders, and I believe that you need to begin to view yourself as such as well. I think that God has equipped each of us to lead at different capacities, whether that's in our workplaces or in our homes, whether that's behind a cubicle in an office or on a pickup truck in a construction zone, whether that's in the church or on the block. You are leaders. And as such, we want to follow the example of the best leader, Jesus himself. But for today, as we talk about the heart of a leader, I have three quick thoughts from the leadership lessons of Jesus. To lead like Jesus, we must, number one, write this down, be servant leaders. And here's what I mean by this. To be servant leaders means that we lead from a place of humility and not a place of pride. Oftentimes, from a worldly perspective, we believe leadership to be about being served, taking charge, making our opinions heard, and being the one with all the great ideas and answers. But yet, when we examine the leadership life of Jesus, we find someone who was never self-serving, who always put others' needs before his own, and who led with a great amount of humility. In fact, if you look at the book of Philippians, we read something that Paul wrote, something that he taught as he was writing to the church. And he says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. If we're honest with ourselves, many times our heart and our actions are to serve one purpose, our own. But this stands in stark contrast to how Jesus led and what Paul was teaching the Philippians in his letter. And no doubt you get this. When you think about some of the most influential people in your life, leaders that you looked up to, I bet this was a quality that they possessed. They were humble and they gave you time and space in their lives. And that was probably one of the things that drew you near to them that allowed them to influence you. And perhaps no one showcased this better than Jesus. Of course, we can talk about the humility that he showcased in leaving heaven uh, to enter creation as a baby, or the fact that the one who created wood carried it up a mountain, which he also created, and was murdered by people who he also created. But I love this example in the Gospel of John. And in case you don't know, the New Testament in your Bibles begins with four Gospel accounts. And these are all accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as recorded by four different authors. That's what the, the Gospels means, the four first uh, books in the New Testament. And in John, we read about one of the last moments Jesus would spend with the disciples before his crucifixion. One of the last humble acts of leadership that he would do in serving his friends, he would do something that I would imagine few of us would be willing to do. And we read it in John chapter 13. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, 
He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. In a great demonstration of humility, Jesus stoops down to wash his disciples' feet. And he does so to teach an important lesson. This is what leadership looks like. I know what in the rest of the world leadership looks like, fame, glitz, and glamour, being served, living lavishly, but this is what leadership looks like, stooping down and serving others. Is this the picture that comes to your mind when you think about leadership? Now listen, don't get too caught up with the act of washing feet. It was an object lesson that Jesus gave his disciples to show them that leadership equals humble service. We don't have to literally wash each other's feet. You'd be missing the whole point of Jesus' message here. The lesson was a direct attack on the self-serving attitudes we all battle with on a daily basis. The attitude that longs to put us in first place and to lord over people. The selfish desire to be seen and be heard and, and be respected and admired and noticed. But yet Jesus' leadership led him to a place of washing feet, to being a humble servant. How do you lead like Jesus? How do you live your life in a way where you're not the main focal point of your life and humbly serve others? Is this what leadership looks like in your life? At whatever level of leadership capacity God has entrusted you with, whether at home, in ministry, or in the workplace, do you lead with a servant's heart of humility like Jesus? This is a challenge. Every selfish bone in our body will try to pull us towards a life of self-service, but to lead like Jesus, we must be servant leaders. Next, to lead like Jesus, we must, number two, write this down in your notes, put God in first place. When we talk about putting God in first place, we're talking about what takes priority in the heart of a leader. In order to be an effective leader and to lead like Jesus, our hearts must give priority to a relationship with God. And if we're honest, so much of our time and priorities are occupied by different things. There's so much at war for our time and attention. In, in the world, a leader's rewarded because of how they were able to meet the bottom line and satisfy the quota or accomplish the task or grow the company or, or work overtime and bring in more revenue. But yet what you see modeled in the life of Jesus and within his leadership is a shift in priorities. Not one that necessarily meets the bottom line, but one that prioritizes time with God. And that's why Jesus taught this in Matthew chapter 6, 33. You, you guys know this passage very, very well. Uh, but before we read it together, I need to remind you the context in which he's teaching this lesson to the disciples. It's in the context of addressing their concerns. Their concerns for things like accumulating wealth and possessions. It's in the context of addressing anxiety from overworking and overworrying. It's in the context of teaching them how to pray and fast in order to grow spiritually. In other words, it's in the context of many things that people want to pursue and that many people think is the end goal of leadership. But yet, here's what Jesus teaches. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. In other words, there's a priority mishap that happens when we put all those other outcomes and goals before seeking God first. The great irony being that when we place God first, when we seek His kingdom over our own, then all those other things tend to fall into place. Yet how often do we fall into the trap of doing the opposite? Our relationship with God and our walk with Christ takes the back burner to all these other objectives. And this is something that Jesus modeled often throughout His ministry. No one can deny the amount of influence that He had. I mean, no one stirs up more controversy even today than a Jewish man who walked the earth over 2,000 years ago. 
And no one can deny the effectiveness of his leadership with over 2.6 billion people claiming to be followers of Christ in the world today. But yet, what takes a priority in his life? What would he be sure to create space to do? The Gospel of Luke gives us insight. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus understood his priorities. And in order for him to be an effective leader, he had to be sure to lead his own life in a way that prioritized a great deal of intimacy and fellowship with God. Over and over again throughout his life and ministry, we find times where Jesus would withdraw to be alone with the Father. So what takes up time and priority in your leadership? Are you intentional in creating space to build intimacy with God, to connect with the God of the universe who so graciously allows us to do so because of Jesus? What does time in the Word of God look like for you? Are you opening up your Bibles daily? Do you have the Bible app on your phone? And not only is it on your phone, but are you engaging in the life-giving Word of God? What does time in prayer look like for you? Are you communing with God, communicating with God, spending time praying to the, to, to the God of the universe who not only loves you so tremendously, but that desires to hear you talk to Him? Are you surrounding yourself regularly with other followers of Christ? Are you plugged into life groups when they're up and running, as they currently are right now? Are you making a priority of gathering with other followers of Jesus on the first of the week because it is within the context of community that we can help each other grow and encourage one another towards Christ-likeness? For Jesus, a major part of His leadership was the intimacy and connection He had with the Father. Over and over again throughout the Gospels, you'd see Jesus do tons of ministry. He would serve, serve, serve. But then he would also prioritize time with God. And to lead like Jesus, we must put God in first place. And lastly, to lead like Jesus, you can write this down in your notes. Number three, extend forgiveness and grace. Here's one that you probably don't want to hear, right? This is a tough one, no doubt. But if you want to lead like Jesus, this means letting go of grudges, forgiving those who have wronged you, and leading with grace. You see, oftentimes we are absolutely okay with not being okay with someone who's hurt us, who's hurt us or wronged us or spread a rumor or gossiped about us. Many times we don't even have a three-strike rule. It's more like one strike and you're out. But yet, what you see modeled in the life and leadership of Jesus time and time again is examples of the most patient, forgiving, and grace-filled leaders we've ever known. Mind you, to sin against Him was to sin against the Son of God. For example. When Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, when he promised to never leave Jesus' side, and yet when the oven got hot and Jesus was escorted away by Roman soldiers and the, and the murderous threats of the crowd were against Jesus, and when the flogging and the beating and the scourging began to happen, Peter was nowhere to be found. Not only that, but he also denied even knowing Jesus three times. But yet upon the resurrection of Jesus and appearing to Peter, you don't find a bitter, angry, resentful Jesus. You have a loving, grace-filled, kind Jesus grilling some fish on the beach, looking at Peter and asking him, Do you love me? And then giving him a mission, giving him a purpose, a job, telling him, Then go feed my sheep. It was all grace. And this is the message Paul wrote in his letter to the Colossians. You can read it for yourself in chapter 3 of Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. 
If we want to lead like Jesus, we have to, like the Apostle Paul said, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience so that we can lead with forgiveness. And isn't it interesting that he says you have to put it on? It's like he's essentially saying that we all know intrinsically you don't just wake up feeling kind and humble and gentle and patient. In fact, when you first wake up, you're probably the opposite of all those things. Yet within Paul's call is a challenge for us to put on or clothe ourselves with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. When you are at work or in school, when you're dealing with your kids or your siblings or your parents at home, when you're doing ministry, I have to remind myself of this on Thursdays when we're serving at the food pantry because some of these neighbors, boy, you need extra patience in dealing with them. But even when you don't feel like it, even if you're not wired that way, even if you're not naturally bent towards being a kind, patient, and gentle person, because you want to lead like Jesus, you're going to put those things on. You're going to grow in those areas. You're going to practice those things and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And here's the kicker. Why? Why should you lead with forgiveness and grace? The key is found in the last portion of that passage in Colossians. Look at it one more time. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. You see, we've experienced the great forgiveness of our sin through Jesus. And that's why we can in turn give the same. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And because of that sin, we had the pent-up rage and wrath of God pointed towards us. But because God is so rich in mercy and loving kindness, He set into motion a salvation plan to redeem us back to Himself. And He did so through Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, yet He died a criminal's death. They impaled Him on a cross where He died as the propitiation of our sins. In other words, taking all of our sin upon His shoulders and atoning for them as the perfect sacrifice, ultimately satisfying God's wrath and justly paying for our sins. But on the third day, Jesus conquered Satan's sin and death, proving that not, not, not that the enemy nor sin has a hold on us, but now all who look to Jesus, put their faith in Him, can have forgiveness of sin. All your sin is forgiven, and we can have a new life. And if you're here today and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus to experience this amazing grace, you can do so today. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to lead like Jesus. If you do, how can we have the heart of a leader like Jesus? It begins with being servant leaders. It's not all about you. It's about serving others, just like Jesus did when he washed the disciples' feet. It begins with putting God in first place. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these other things will be added onto you. We've got to extend forgiveness and grace because here's the thing. Jesus extended it to us. So to lead like Jesus, we do the same. We fight against our selfish nature and we extend forgiveness and grace. Let's pray. Lord, we pray today that you would help us to be servant leaders. Help us to serve like Jesus served others. To serve like Jesus serves us. Lord, our priorities are all jacked up. Help us through your spirit to put you in first place. The only place, God, that you deserve to be. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness and mercy that you have extended to us through Jesus. Help us to lead the same way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. 
and come on over, join us, come to the Sword Pub, let's worship together, let's get together, let's worship God together, let's learn and grow together, let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?